0: You're listening to The Sermon Podcast by Southside Baptist Church in Florence, South Carolina. We exist to know God and to make Jesus known. For more up-to-date information, check us out at southsidenow.church. Well, good morning. Good morning. Wow. I, uh, I am so humbled right now in this moment, um. A bit speechless. I'm going to get over that in just a second, all right? But I'm just taking all this in for just a second and just really honored and humbled that my family and I would be in this place and in this moment. Um, to listen to Miss Renee play The Goodness of God this morning about messed me up. I was like, I got to talk, God, and I'm getting tearful here. And, um, but as I listen to that, I'm reminded of the faithfulness of God in my life. And the faithfulness of God in my family's life. And I've seen the faithfulness of God at work and in the hands of you here at Southside Baptist Church. And as, I, as we prepared, God has, has done so much in the last few weeks. This search team has been remarkable. I could never say enough about how wonderful uh, the, the hospitality, the conversations. Um, there were nights I felt like they were like, all right, dude, you got to go. Because um, I could have just sat there and talked with them forever and ever. And it's been wonderful. So thank you all so much for receiving us so well and loving us so well. I also want to say in this moment too, Joshua, man, God bless you, bro. Like, y'all give this guy an incredible hand. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've had the chance and the joy over the last few weeks to get to know Joshua. And um, all I can say is I'm excited. And um, I've got a brother in Christ, and I am Uh, God willing looking forward to rolling up my sleeves and getting to work with that guy and um, I'm just so all the things that he has done and I know you know um, but maybe sometimes you don't often understand and know but this guy has been working tirelessly for you and his faith family here at Southside and so thank you bro for all that you have done man and your family thank y'all so much. Um, As I stand here this morning as I said God has done so many things Um, but just a week ago um, my daughters, you met them this morning, Hallie and Sullivan, um, they're, they're almost 12 now, uh, but they were born uh, almost 12 years ago in April, and uh, when they were born, they were born in a gestational age of uh, 23 weeks and six days. They were a pound of peace when they came into this world. And back in th- that, those days, almost 12 years ago, this church had a ministry in which prayer shawls were made. And uh, these prayer shawls, this particular prayer shawl was made right here in this church by women in this congregation. And it was laid on this altar, and it was prayed over by you as a congregation. And you may even say, well, I wasn't here in that moment, but you were. Because God knew you would be here. You're a part of that legacy that God has here. And so these shawls were prayed over. And then these shawls, they lived over the isolates that my daughters lived in for the next 121 days there in the hospital. And so I wanted just to say this morning on behalf of my family, thank you for even loving my family and this community even then. And I wanted to take this shawl this morning and I just want to put it over this pulpit just as a reminder of God's faithfulness. And what he has done in the life of my family. What he has done in the life of this congregation. And to stand here with joy and expectancy as to what God is going to continue to do here at Southside Baptist Church. And so it is an honor. It is a privilege to be here today. Um, as they have said, my name is Landon. Um, the best parts of me are my wife Leah. My daughters Sullivan and Hallie and Finley. And, um, and we, we love to serve God together. And uh, we, we are a team when it comes to, to serving God and, and being a part of this, this ministry that God has called us to. Um, we, don't, we don't do something if it isn't right for all of us and if we all can't be a part. And so we feel firmly that God has called us as a family to Southside Baptist Church. And so we are thrilled thrilled to be here today and so Leah teaches at McLaurin if you haven't had a chance to meet us really quickly Leah is a teacher at McLaurin Sullivan and Hallie are students at Southside and Finley goes to school at McLaurin with her mother as I heard her tell uh, many people this morning Um, but, but we have, we're born and raised right here in Florence, South Carolina. I'm just an Effingham boy. You know, if you want to see the real resume, I'm just a country boy who loves Jesus. That's who I am. And, um, and so, but grew up in Effingham and, um, and graduated South Florence high school here in town. And then Leah and I, we're high school sweethearts. We've been together almost 20 years and, um, We went to Anderson University in the upstate together and from there God called us to Louisville and uh, we got married right out of college and I moved this this girl all the way up to Louisville, Kentucky, where it was cold. And um, we've had some cold weather here this week, but that pales in comparison to where we lived for two years. And um, I was ready for the Palmetto State whenever God was ready to call us back. And, um, and so we, we lived in Louisville for two and a half years and um, never dreamed in a million years. I told the search team the morning we left to go to Louisville, Kentucky. I remember getting on I-20 and looking in my rearview mirror and saying, you know, Florence will be a place we visit but it will never be a place that is home again. We're we're off, you know, here we go. And um, because in my mind, that's what ministry was. You you did not live where you grew up. And so God had different plans though. As we were were, uh, finishing up seminary, we began to pray and began to seek God and we began to have conversations with Calvary Baptist Church here in town, and God called us back to Calvary almost 14 years ago. And we've been on staff there now. Um, I've been associate pastor at Calvary for almost 14 years. My role there is I'm the associate pastor of music and worship. Um, but through that time and through those 14 years, God very quickly began to shape and mold my heart. Um, to fall in love with the preaching of his word. I've always loved his word, but to be able to open his word and to unpack his word and to preach and teach his word has become a a great, great joy in my life. And so we began to sense God's call in moving us at some point into the role of being a preaching and teaching lead senior pastor role as a family. And uh, we've been trusting God. And uh, almost, uh, almost three months ago, I was under my car changing the starter on my wife's car. I'm not a mechanic, though, so don't, I, I was just, I'm cheap, all right, I'm cheap. I didn't want to pay anybody, so there I was. And um, I was under my car, changing the starter, and my phone rang. And, um, and it was the search team asking me if I would be interested in praying over seeing what God might do. And um, that conversation began there. And so we are thrilled that God has sovereignly led us, graciously led us here to this moment this morning. And I believe this pulpit is for proclaiming Jesus. So I'm going to quit talking about myself, all right, because I don't want to do that anymore. I want to talk about Jesus, and I want to lift him high this morning. And so would you this morning turn with me to Matthew 28 in your Bibles to verse 16. Matthew 28, beginning in verse 16. I'm going to read some words this morning that I believe will be familiar to you, but words that are absolutely important, absolutely valuable, and I think very pertinent for this moment right now that we're all experiencing together. If you found Matthew 28, verse 16, say amen. All right. The Word of God says, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. the age. Would you pray with me this morning? Father in heaven, Father, we love you. And Father, we thank you so much for your love for us. Father, we thank you for the joy that we experience because of you and the work of Jesus in our lives. And Father, I thank you, Father, that even when we walk through difficult seasons of life, Father, we know that you are faithful Father, all of our lives, you have been so faithful. All of our lives, you have been so, so good. Father, with every breath that we are able, Father, we will proclaim and declare your goodness. And so, Father, now, as we open your word, Father, would you speak to our hearts? Would you transform us this morning by the preaching of your word, Father? Father, would you hide me behind your cross today, the cross of Christ? Father, I know that I'm a weak vessel. Father, but you are most strong in my weakness. And so, Father, glorify yourself. And, Father, I pray these things in the holy, matchless name of Jesus, our Savior and Lord. Amen. In 1961, Vince Lombardi, the infamous Hall of Fame coach of the Green Bay Packers, stood before his team of professional football players, and he held an object before them at the start of that very football season. And these men who had played the game of football, their entire, probably since they were young boys and were now professional players, Vince Lombardi looked at them, he held that football up and he said, men, as we start this season, I need you to know that this is a football. Now Vince Lombardi was not a Hall of Fame coach by accident. He was one of the best to ever coach the game of football, and he knew the key to winning football games, and he knew that that key was to consistently remember to play the fundamentals of the game. In 1961, the very year that Vince Lombardi stood before that team holding that football, that very same year that he reminded them of the fundamental, fundamentals of the game, the Green Bay Packers were the national champions of the football league. Fundamentals, they matter. So many aspects of our lives are built upon fundamentals. This morning, we enjoyed incredible music played by gifted musicians. I can tell you something. None of them started there, right? All of them had to pick up an instrument for the very first time and to learn that is a note. These are the keys on the piano. These strings play this or that. In order to sing well, there are fundamentals that are needed. If we do math, right, we can't do algebra. I might still can't do algebra, but we can't do algebra without first understanding how to add and subtract numbers. We can't read a novel. We can't read a book if we don't first understand how to sound out and read a word. See, our lives are built upon fundamentals. And our life in following Christ is absolutely no different. Jesus has placed a call in our lives through the salvation that he has given us. And we must understand the fundamental call that he has placed in each of our lives. If we're going to live our lives well for Jesus, if we're going to grow in his likeness daily, then we need to understand that we must return to the fundamentals that he has called us to and his call in our lives. We must be reminded of the mission that Jesus has called us to as the church and as individuals, and we need to focus our hearts and minds on that fundamental mission that God has called us to. Now this morning, this is a very unique moment. Today, we are prayerfully together seeking to discern God's will. And in full honesty, I realize this may be the only sermon I ever get to preach to you. This is, you know, that's real, right? But in the reality of it all, God is God has kept me there in that space as I have planned and prepared for this moment because I've continually asked myself if I could say one thing to Southside Baptist Church, what would it be? If I could preach one message, what would it be? And God continually has led me here to this place calling me and you, I believe, to focus on the fundamentals of the church. Understanding together the mission that God has laid before us together as his people. And knowing, not only as we understand that mission, but knowing and believing that that mission is of utmost importance. And so... In thinking about that mission, some might say that the mission of the church, you know, if we walked around and we said, you know, what is the mission of the church? Some might say that the mission of the church is to gather together once a week in corporate worship. Others might say that the mission of the church is to love the world like Jesus. Some might say that the mission of the church is to care for those who are vulnerable and weak. And all of these are really, really good ideas that are true of the church, But they are extensions of the true mission that you and I have been given from Jesus. And Jesus says it very clearly if we look there in verses 19 and 20. Hear these words of Jesus. This is our crucified Savior, our resurrected Savior speaking to us when he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The mission of the church, the mission that Jesus has given you and me is this disciples of Jesus make disciples of Jesus. Disciples of Jesus make disciples of Jesus. This is our fundamental mission. We are called, church, to make disciples. Vance Havner wrote, salvation is free. The gift of God is eternal life. It is not cheap, for it costs God his son and the son his life, but it is free. However, when we become believers, we become disciples, and that will cost everything we have. Our Lord was after disciples, hear this, not mere joiners. Church, we have called, been called by Jesus to be disciples. And to make disciples. God has made an eternal investment in our lives. And through this investment in our lives, we are called as the church to make an eternal investment in the lives of others through discipleship. In a world that is so deeply searching for purpose apart from Jesus, we too, even as Christ followers, if we're not careful, we'll fall prey to this world and looking for that purpose that the world is so deeply trying to search, a, a, a purpose that, that seems so mysterious and is only understood through the worldly successes and definitions. Right? I mean, that's, that's what we look for in this world today. If someone's making a lot of money, then they've got life figured out right? If someone's living in the big house and got a lot of YouTube followers or a lot of social media followers, Instagram, whatever all those things are, then they successfully have made it, right? They have figured out the magic potion to success in life. But until we reach those places and those points, it's just a great mystery. And the world seems to be chasing and trying to figure it out and do all the things to be successful in those in those thoughts. But our God doesn't make our mission unclear. He doesn't make it a mystery. And he he tells us that the victory has already been won. We're going to talk about that more in a moment. But he calls us into this mission clearly through his word and shows us our purpose on this earth. So many of us are reeling struggling because we don't know what our purpose is on this earth. We've bought the, the false tales that the world is trying to communicate to us. And we have followed the wayward world and trying to understand purpose. And Jesus is telling us today that there is no purpose to be found anywhere in this world. If you want to find your purpose, look to me. And your purpose is to make disciples. And so, in these verses, we learn that we're called to make disciples. And we also learn fundamentally what it means to be a disciple, right? If we're going to make disciples, then we must be good disciples. And so for just a moment this morning, I want us to see what Jesus tells us we need to do in order to be Good disciples so that we can make disciples of Jesus. And so the first thing that we see here in verse 18 is that disciples of Jesus submit to Jesus's lordship over their lives. Disciples of Jesus submit to Jesus's lordship over their lives. Jesus says in verse 18, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Everything we do, everything we do as Christ followers must begin and it must end with our worship of Jesus. Out of our adoration and love for Jesus, we are called to live our lives. We are called to live lives that are worshipful. And so Jesus makes this claim in this verse. It's a very bold claim. It's a claim that none of us in this room could ever begin to make, but he makes the claim that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. And so it bodes the question, why? How? How does Jesus get to make this claim? But throughout the Gospel of Matthew, along with the other three Gospels, we understand that Jesus left his throne in heaven and he was born of the Virgin Mary and that he is both fully God and he is both fully man and while living on this earth, he lived a life that was perfect. He fulfilled God's law, a task that you and I could not accomplish, a law that none of us could ever begin to fulfill. And he was convicted and punished by death by the government of his people. And he was crucified on a cross. And it was upon that cross, the scriptures teach us, that Jesus bore the wrath of God, the punishment that was mine, the punishment that was yours. And it was upon that cross that he died. He was taken from that cross and he was placed in a tomb. And in this very moment, that Jesus, who was very physically dead who was very much buried in a tomb, is now resurrected and alive, having conquered sin and death once and for all. And he is standing before his disciples because he is the resurrected Jesus saying, all authority in heaven and on earth is mine. And he has every right to say that. And we As the church must believe that and we must live our lives daily, waking up, putting our feet on the ground and thinking and knowing in our hearts, all authority in heaven and on earth of this day is Jesus's. And So this is who Jesus is. And so therefore, everything else that Jesus is about to say to us in these verses is of utmost importance because he is the God of the universe. And he establishes that for us. Jesus has every right to command us to do his will. And his will is that you and I will make disciples. The fact that Jesus has authority over everything should also give us peace as we seek to make disciples. Because we can know that nowhere that we go, no one that God brings in contact with us is outside of Jesus who has all authority in heaven and on earth. So whether he leads us to a coffee shop to make disciples or whether he leads us to Africa to make disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth is his. And we can trust him and we can believe that and we can know that. I stand here confidently today because I know that all authority in heaven and on earth is Jesus's and he has led us together to this moment. And so if we truly want to worship Jesus, allowing him to be the Lord of our life, then we must give our lives fully over to Jesus. Our careers, our bank accounts, our families, even our hobbies must be given to Jesus. Our worship extends far beyond this very room that we're sitting in here this morning. We gather together as the church every Sunday to worship God through music, through singing, through praying, through the reading of his word, through preaching, through fellowship. But then we leave this place and we walk out of these doors and God says, guess what? Your worship has only just begun. Every aspect of our lives is to be worshipful. How we conduct ourselves as the people of God is to be worshipful. Worshipful. So whether we eat, sleep, or drink, Paul says, we should do it unto the glory of God. So whether we're participating in business, whether we're out on our boats fishing, whether we're hunting, whether we're shopping, whether we're working in our families, you know, at night eating dinner, wherever we are, are very much right here in this place. We should do it to the glory of God because he is. It deserves all of our worship. And so we're called to submit everything to Jesus. Surrender it all. Our sinful nature, if we're not guarded and careful, however, will pull our hearts to love the good gifts that God has given us instead of the good giver of those gifts. When we begin to worship these good gifts, Scripture is very clear that we become idolaters. We're worshiping someone or something else that is not God. And so if we're not careful, all the good things that are in our lives can pop up and get in the way. And so if we're not careful, we can worship our work. And when we begin to worship our work, then our jobs will begin to consume our focus and will begin to consume our time and we'll, we'll find our purpose in our work. Or if we're not careful, we, can, we begin to worship our finances and all of our heart's desire begins to, to be focused upon our finances and our bank accounts and we begin to put our trust there. If there's only this amount in my bank account at this moment, only can I really truly live my life Peacefully. Every ounce of our time is seeking to make another dollar. If we're not careful, we can make relaxation and free time in a busy world our idol. When we finally have those down moments, those are my time. That's my time, God. Instead of allowing God to have full reign and control over our lives and our time. I say this to my own self this morning. If we're not careful, we can make our children success our idols as parents, pushing them if we're not careful to believe that their education or their extracurricular activities are more important than Jesus. Career, family, money, relaxation, education, our children, all these are absolutely wonderful good gifts from God. But the problem is oftentimes in our sinfulness, we replace God with the good gift. And we begin to seek that good gift and to worship that good gift. And in those moments, if we're not careful, we're worshiping what God never intended for us to worship. And here's, here's where the, the, the big caution flag is. is we're thinking about making disciples. We disciple people in what we worship. And so if we're worshiping our careers or our finances or our families or anything else in this world, then we're going to begin to worship and, and, and disciple people in those manners as well. And so as Christ followers, what, what we're not doing is pointing people toward Jesus. We're pointing people toward the things of this world. And so what we want to do as the people of God is we want to love and cling to Jesus and worship Jesus and everything, and make disciples, and constantly show and tell people that these good gifts that I have in my life, they are of Jesus. But if they all go away tomorrow, he's still Jesus. I still love him, he still loves me. He will still provide for me. And so we are called to submit to the lordship of Jesus. The second thing we're called to do as disciples of Jesus, obey Jesus' call to see others transformed by truth. Right? So we worship Jesus, and then out of that worship of Jesus, our greatest desire is to see others transformed by the truth of God. God has changed my life. I pray that's true for you as well. And as we live transformed lives, what else is there better than to see other lives transformed by the grace and truth of Jesus? Knowing how powerfully He has worked in our own lives and desiring that for others. Research shows time and time again right now that we are living in the most biblically illiterate society and culture. And frankly, I believe a lot of that's our fault as the church, and I'm included in that because I believe it's a lack of discipleship in our children, in those joining the church around us. God's called us to make disciples. It's not God's fault, you know? And so we have this problem. C.S. Lewis said, Christianity of faults is of no importance. And if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is of moderate importance. And so, these are are like the words of Jesus, right? You're neither hot, you're neither cold. So I spit you out of my mouth. Jesus has called us to love him deeply and to love others deeply with his truth. And I believe one of the greatest indictments on the modern church is that we have made the greatest gift ever given to the world of moderate importance. Within these verses... We recognize the call that Jesus has made for us to evangelize. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And so it is understood based upon Jesus' call here that he is saying to us that people come to faith through evangelism. People come to faith because we tell them and we show them who Jesus is and they respond to his good work in their life and they are saved by the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. I had an evangelism professor that said God could have chosen to write the good news of the gospel in the clouds. He could send angels down here to speak the good news of the gospel right now. But instead, our infinitely wise and good God chose you and me as his people to go and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. This is the call that has been placed upon us as his people. And so when when people come into the church There is absolutely nothing greater. Nothing that brings me greater joy is a filled up baptismal pool. And so we are called to baptize, to evangelize. But within that, let us understand this morning that that is not the finish line. When someone comes through the baptismal waters, when someone professes their faith in Christ Jesus, and they are baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and brought into the church. That is not the finish line. That is only the beginning. And we are called as the church to disciple those people and each other. In a world that says, you do you, Jesus says, deny yourself daily. Take Up your cross and follow after me. Our call in following Jesus is to intentionally bring others into our lives and to teach them how to follow Jesus. All throughout his letters to the churches, Paul would tell them, he would say, do as I do. And Paul wasn't telling them that in arrogance, but Paul was literally modeling for them what it meant to be a disciple and how to disciple others. He was like, look, I'm going to do my very best to follow after Jesus. Therefore, follow after me. Do what I do. And that should be the call upon us as Christ followers, that we look at others and we say, listen, I'm going to do my best to follow Jesus. Will you follow after me as we follow Jesus together? I'm going to show you. My children do that all the time, right? This morning, they were watching us. I know they were, to see how we were responding. And that's what's true for us as we walk through in our faith. There are those around us who are watching us. What are we modeling for them in those moments? And so Jesus gave us the best model and picture of discipleship. And we see how perfectly Jesus walked with his disciples. We see how these imperfect men grew in their faith as they walked with Jesus. And what we see in Jesus' life is that Jesus gave them his time. Jesus intentionally taught them. And Jesus lived and modeled truth before each of them. And keep hearing that word intentional, right? We want to be intentional about this. We want to be actively engaged in taking another Christ follower into our lives and walking with him or her in the faith by giving intentional time to intentionally teach and model the truth of Jesus for his or her life. And so we should be being discipled and we should be making disciples. And here's the thing. When we make disciples of Jesus, when disciples of Jesus make disciples of Jesus, then the church is her best and her strongest. Because here's the thing, disciples of Jesus will always gather together in corporate worship. They know and believe the importance of this. Disciples of Jesus will always gather together to fellowship with their faith family. Because they know the importance of this. Disciples of Jesus will always financially support the mission of the church and the call of Jesus. Disciples of Jesus will always seek to care for the vulnerable and the weak. And the disciples of Jesus will always love the bride of Christ and seek to build her up in every way and every aspect. See, disciples of Jesus know that their preferences are small and minuscule in relation to the big picture and the mission that God has called us to as the church. When the church makes disciples, I firmly believe that all aspects of the church will carry out and carry out well. The final thing Jesus tells us is that disciples of Jesus have and share in eternal hope because Jesus is their Lord. Look with me in verse 20. Jesus says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and behold, I love this. I am with you always to the end of the age. The word with in these verses is very, very powerful. See, sin in Genesis chapter 3 took our ability to be with God away. Adam and Eve before the. They dwelled with God in every aspect of their lives, every single day. And when they disobeyed God, when sin entered into this world, our ability in our own selves was taken away to dwell with God. And so Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy Satan led Adam and Eve into this moment. He led them into having this stolen or taken away through the curse of sin. But in this moment, as the resurrected Jesus stands before his disciples, he shares these words that I am with you to the end of the age. He is restored our relationship with our God in the most beautiful and precious and perfect way. And so as Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus says, I come so that you may have life and have it abundantly. And we get to enjoy that life to the very end of the age. And so here's the thing. When we read these words, I am with you always to the end of the age. When we're anxious, Jesus is with us. When we're fearful, Jesus is with us. When we're confused, Jesus is with us. In our greatest moments, Jesus is with us. In our worst of moments, Jesus is always with us. Every moment of every day, Jesus is with us. And that's good news. This gives us courage. As we seek to make disciples, I understand it's scary. Making disciples brings about vulnerabilities. I often in talking about making disciples says it puts us in the mud and the muck of ministry sometimes. And it can be dirty and it can be hard. But Jesus is with us. He is with us. And his plan is one we cannot afford to disobey. Hear me. People are dying every single day and going to hell. This mission that you and I have been called to is no game. There is no redo button. When we get to the end of our lives, we can't reset it like we could do in a lot of video games and just start it all over again. There is no redo button. We are called right now to make disciples of Jesus. Jesus has called us to storm the gates of hell with his gospel. And we know, we know that Satan will rage a war with us. But all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto him. He's alive. He is well. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He has victory. We have victory. Therefore, we get to walk in that victory, and we get to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And so if we believe that the Bible is true, and I pray to God we do, then we are foolish to be silent and not seek the intentional matter of making disciples. Because the fundamental truth that you and I have been called to is disciples of Jesus make disciples of Jesus. Jesus. And so there is a bloody stained cross and an empty tomb that calls you and me to go to make disciples, to baptize, to teach, to preach in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And to trust that if we do what God has called us to do, then absolutely He will be faithful to do what He is going to do. And so this morning, as we discern God's will together, in this moment, I wanted to remind myself the fundamentals. I wanted to remind us together of the fundamentals of our faith. And I want to use Vince Lombardi's words as we close this morning. in church, this is a Bible. You and I, as the people of God, have been called to live and breathe and die by this word. It is the word of God for you and for me. And he has called us into a mission to go, to preach, to teach, to make disciples. Knowing and believing that his work is faithful, that his work is good. And I believe he has incredible things for us here as we continue to move forward. Let's pray together. Father in heaven.